I just pull it out of the stone? If you can, for centuries, thousands have tried, but only the new rightful King of England can pull it from its place. Arthur can do it. I don't know. I don't think... Take the sword, boy! Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying for a it's second It's only there. episode 62, Christy. You'll get it someday. One day. I hope anyways. Uh, but yes, I yeah. am Christy. I am your host, Christy, and this is my friend and co-host, Brie. Hello, that's me. I'm Brie. Hello, and uh, we are finishing up with our now annual Prince Movie Month by uh, taking a look at Golden Films' Camelot. We have made a glorious return to the Golden Films filmography with this. Ah, Golden Films, it's been a while. Yeah. Good to see you again, buddy. It's it's funny because this is kind of how my regular movie nights went as well, where we started off with a lot of focus on golden films, um, but we mm-hmm. pretty just quickly discovered that there are far worse movies out there that are <laughs> more, way more deserving of having a bunch of 30-year-olds making dumb comments <laughs> over them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's- golden films... At the very least, seems earnest. More yes, often than I, not. I think so. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and genuinely, it was it was nice to come back here. It was nice to to. It's like seeing an old friend. Yeah. <laughs> old golden films. Uh, yes. Uh, this um this one today I picked this up ages ago back when I was for, on my first big Golden Films kick. Um, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but they have a YouTube channel, and most of their YouTube videos are clips of the songs from their films. And so there was a point in time that I just went through their entire YouTube uh, catalog, and I would, <laughs> I would watch the song videos, and I would buy the movies based on the the songs alone, like just uh, amazing. Which, which, whichever ones had like the craziest song sequences, that would be like an instant buy. And this was one that made that list. Um, specifically, we'll get into some of the details, but Merlin's song in this, it was just <laughs> some something about it, just a certain je ne sais quoi. I just. <laughs> It's like, hmm, yes, this this hits this hits me right in the funny bone. This 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 just it hits right. It just oh. it just it felt right. It's... So I bought it, I watched it, I enjoyed it, and now I've made you watch it and hopefully enjoy it. It was like you know, I've never thought I wanna speed run Arthurian legend, but <laughs> that's what I did. You know? That's that's what happened. <laughs> I, I By guess. watching this film, it is it is extremely like speed running the uh, the entirety of the King Arthur story it's, in a, in a it, tight forty eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a compact little film. I I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how close it is to the actual legend though, because from I I did try and look up a few things on Wikipedia, and it sounds like there's a few different 
iterations or there's like different versions of the Arthur legends. So I don't yeah. know if this is based on any specific one or if they just kind of picked like the biggest plot points, plot points and the, the <laughs> most important ones. There's definitely ones where they like kept them in despite this being a movie for children that I was, I was yes. a little surprised. Yes. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I guess to spoil it a little bit for folks, as in the or like the actual legend, this film does cover the the affair between Lancelot and Guinevere. They do not sugarcoat it. It's no right there. It's the main conflict of the film, um, and it is like it is kind of shocking that Golden yeah. Films chose to to have that. It's it's. And the the reaction of Arthur to, like, I don't know how in Arthurian legend how uh, he actually, you know, reacts to that. But the reaction that he has to it here is very interesting. And I don't know if it's like, it's it's very much like a thing that it's like, oh, I wonder how, like, it's more, I guess kind of nuanced than I would expect from children's media regarding someone being uh, uh, cheated on by their wife with their best friend. Yeah. And yeah. being kind of cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, not cool with it, but, like, understanding. Yeah, he's, at like, very much at peace with it. It doesn't really seem to bother him. Um, yeah. I, we... If if you had asked me how I would have thought Golden Films would have approached this story, <laughs> I I would have assumed that they would have maybe like had it where it just it only looked like Guinevere was cheating on Arthur. Like maybe there was like a weird misunderstanding. Like mm -hmm. you know, like they frame it as like this big mistake that has to be resolved. And oh no, they weren't actually cheating. It was just I don't know, something. Um so yeah, it it was it was pretty shocking the first time that I watched this, and yeah. it or or like they would have picked a different part of Arthurian legend to focus on. Yeah, well, that's like um, but the Disney. No, they went like, straight for it. Yeah, the Disney bit is just like the Sword in the Stone is not this. It's our no it's King Arthur stuff, but it's not you know it's, his adult life. <laughs> as yeah, a king it's, and all that stuff, and yeah. it's all the stuff before he becomes king, and they very—it's <laughs> kind of fun to think about with the Disney film that poor little boy growing up. Um, oh God! Oh, poor poor Wart. Oh, it's been a while since I've seen Disney Sword in the Stone, but I remember enjoying it a lot. I—I remember it being a fun little film. It's not one I go back to. I don't typically like the more no. episodic Disney movies. Um, same with like Alice in Wonderland and Jungle Book. But no, I fair. remember, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's still a Disney movie, so it's still enjoyable. It's just not not one of the go tos. Yeah. Oh, and I guess I should I should clarify quickly because we at the end of last episode. We talked about how I wasn't sure which episode we would be covering for the, the final oh, yes. Prince movie month. 
So this, to clarify, this is not the film I originally intended to make Brie watch. Um, <laughs> but this one, I, I remembered it. I thought it was going to be worse than what I remembered. I actually enjoyed this film quite a bit. So when I rewatched it to refresh my memory, um, yeah, I was, I was surprised by like, this is actually, there's like the makings of a, of a kind of interesting film in here. So, uh, the film we were going to watch, which I might as well say the name, is called Mio in the Land of Far Away. Um, Ooh. A film I really enjoy, and I am definitely keeping that one on the docket for, I guess, next year's Prince Movie Month. But this one, I felt like, you know what, let's just take a look at this. And also, it's a bit of a shorter one, which I think, uh, we are leading very busy lives right now, so let's treat ourselves <laughs> with a shorter film. Yeah. Yeah. A lot on the go this this uh, first half of 2023. Yeah. I guess it's only it is, April. First quarter? I don't know. There is something kind of strange about how we are living our adult busy lives, but we keep having to make time to go riff on uh, <laughs> children films. <laughs> For the internet. <laughs> you know. This is, you know, this is, no, this is a beloved little, little corner of, of time <laughs> that, that I enjoy carving out from the rest of the nonsense that, that is life as an adult. Yeah, a little, little bit of you a know? respite. Yeah. <sighs> it's like a calm port in the storm. <laughs> a oh. calm, nonsensical, buckwild port in the storm. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh. Well, should we get into the story here? Yeah, can you can you speed run the speed run of Arthurian legend for us, Christy? <laughs> Will do. Let's get into the plot summary of Golden Films's Camelot. <laughs> I forgot the fucking Ca name. Camelot. <laughs> Ca Camelot. <laughs> Camelot! I rise to this day. I rise to this hour. Called by a silent, irresistible power. For this I was born. For this I was born. Our story begins in the warring English countryside as a man wanders through a burning village. The man, who we soon find out is none other than Merlin the Wizard, hears the cries of a young baby in one of the burning huts. Merlin rescues the orphan baby and brings the child with him to the mystical island of Avalon. Merlin introduces the baby to the other inhabitants of Avalon, who name him Arthur. All of you, we will teach this boy the ways of Avalon, and when he is of age, my sister Morgause will teach him the lessons of love. And then he will be sent into the world to bring the wisdom of Avalon into the battling chaos. And maybe, just maybe, to bring peace. Years pass and Arthur grows. He is taught many lessons from Merlin and eventually falls in love with an Avalon woman named Morgause. Merlin shows Arthur visions of the war in England and tells Arthur that it is his destiny to build a place of peace. Arthur tries to deny his destiny, as he wants nothing more but to stay on Avalon with Morgause, but Merlin insists that it's something Arthur cannot escape. 
Arthur and Morgause do marry, but soon after, Merlin challenges Arthur to remove this sword of Scalibur from its stone pedestal, saying that only the true king of England can do so. Arthur, of course, easily pulls Excalibur from the stone, and he is told that he must now journey to England to found the Kingdom of Camelot, a kingdom of peace served by knights dedicated to protecting the weak and humble. Arthur sadly accepts his fate, and finally leaves Avalon and Morgause. Farewell, Arthur. Wait, where's Morgause? Isn't she coming? She cannot make the crossing. Her place is in Avalon, like all of us. She cannot exist in the real world. We're not like you, Arthur. You are mortal. But believe that one day, the two of you will be together. You must go on without her, without us all. Tell Morgos, Vivian, please, tell Morgos, I love her. Arthur. Morgos. Arthur arrives in England and soon after comes upon a young maiden who is being threatened by a dragon. Arthur makes quick work of the dragon and introduces himself to the woman, who reveals herself to be Guinevere. Arthur explains to Guinevere his goal of bringing peace to England, and also tells her of Avalon and Morgause. Guinevere decides to join Arthur on his quest, and we see her and Arthur begin journeying the countryside to recruit knights to his cause. Eventually, Arthur has assembled enough men to begin building Camelot. Peasants begin to flock to the castle, as do more knights. This includes Sir Lancelot, who offers his allegiance to Arthur, which Arthur accepts. Soon enough, Arthur has assembled his iconic knights of the Round Table, who in turn declare Arthur their king. Soon after, Merlin appears to Arthur in a vision, and implores Arthur to 1. take a queen, and 2. face the truth, even if it's not pleasant. Arthur ends up marrying Guinevere, much to Lancelot's chagrin. Things seem happy for some time, as we see a montage of Arthur and his men bringing peace to the land. Unfortunately, not everyone is happy in Camelot, as we see Guinevere and Lancelot sneaking off to be together in secret. Not wanting to hide anymore, Lancelot begs Guinevere to let him talk to Arthur, and we find out that Arthur already knows about their secret relationship. Gwen, what harm would it do if I talked to him? I mean, he's known for 20 years how much I love you. Sometimes I think everyone knows. No, everybody does not know. If anyone but Arthur knew, then he'd have to do something about it. Maybe he feels it's only justice, you and I having each other. After all, he's got Camelot and his eternal love for Morgause. Many years have passed at this point, and we see a grey-haired Arthur gazing out to the sea to Avalon, questioning what else he has left to do, as he's already brought peace to England. While Arthur is not able to return to Avalon, a bit of Avalon is sent to him in the form of Mordred, Arthur and Morgause's son, whom Arthur never knew existed. Unfortunately, Mordred's arrival brings conflict to Camelot. While Arthur is at peace with Guinevere and Lancelot's relationship, Mordred is not. When Mordred brings up their affair to Arthur, Arthur angrily sends Mordred away without any explanation. Merlin arrives to once again dispense advice, telling Arthur that Mordred wants his love and wants him to be honest. Merlin warns Arthur that love can do terrible things. Word soon begins to spread about Guinevere and Lancelot throughout the kingdom, which only bolsters Mordred's desire to do something. Mordred and some of Arthur's other knights come to him asking for permission to confront Lancelot and Guinevere, saying that this must be done to protect the ideals of Camelot. Arthur begrudgingly accepts, although he notes that if Guinevere is caught with Lancelot, it would mean she would hang for treason. Mordred and the other knights go to Guinevere's chambers, where they catch Lancelot and Guinevere by surprise. Lancelot arms himself with a letter opener and stool, and in spite of the odds against him, manage to kill a dozen of Arthur's knights. 
Arthur arrives to help Lancelot and Guinevere escape, and the couple flees Camelot. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I should never have let you challenge him. Lancelot didn't kill him, father. You did. The remaining knights implore Arthur to go after Lancelot. Several of Arthur's men, and even some of the peasantry, have sided with Lancelot, and war has once again returned to the land. Mordred urges Arthur to confront Lancelot to try and salvage Camelot. Forced into action, Arthur secretly meets with Lancelot to make arrangements for a peace treaty. In spite of everything that has happened, Lancelot and Arthur are still friends. Lancelot agrees that the following day he'll give himself up, promising to join a monastery and never see Guinevere again, though Lancelot's unconvinced that this will stop Mordred. Why does he hate you so? Because, however, we betrayed you in our hearts. And we did, Arthur. I am so sorry. And he's right, there is no forgiveness. However we betrayed you, he will never replace us. Never catch up with all those years the three of us had together. Not unless we are gone. Not even then. After tomorrow? After tomorrow, we'll speak again. Right here, you and I. If we don't, if something happens... Why then, we'll talk somewhere else. Farewell, my king. Farewell, my friend. My Lancelot. Merlin visits Arthur once again, and Arthur bemoans that he has lost Camelot. Merlin tells him that no one else but Arthur could have built Camelot. Because of Arthur, there is now a Camelot to remember, a Camelot to dream about, and a Camelot to rebuild over and over again. Camelot will fall again, but it will also return. The next day, Arthur and Lancelot meet to sign the peace treaty as arranged. As predicted, Mordred is unhappy with this resolution, as he does not trust Lancelot to keep up his end of the treaty. You pledged your word before to be my father's faithful knight, and instead you betrayed him every day for 20 years! Mordred! And then led a traitorous rebellion against him! I ask you, Sir Lancelot, why should he trust you now? Why should anyone trust you now? Except, of course, the Queen. No! Thanks to Mordred, a fight breaks out, and in the midst of battle, Arthur is stabbed by one of Lancelot's men. Guinevere, who had been watching from a distance, runs to Arthur, as does Mordred and Lancelot. Surrounded by his loved ones, King Arthur dies. Merlin appears once again to bring Arthur back to Avalon. Once there, Arthur is revived, and he is reunited with Morgaus. He never gave up on people. That's why he waits still on Avalon. To return when his time comes again. That's why he lives forever. The end. The end. The end. The end. The end. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's a ba- it's all of it's the entirety of Arthur's life in in under an hour, which is a little wild. So that this movie's got a breakneck pace, <laughs> goes by real real fast. Yeah. Um, did you did you see Brie who the screenwriter who wrote the screenplay for this one? Okay, I did. you did. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, excuse me? Yes, so... 
this this film was the screenplay was written by none other than Peter S. Beagle, who you may know as the writer of The Last Unicorn. <laughs> oh man. It, I, I like impressive honestly that he was able to fit all of <laughs> all of the legend <laughs> into 48 minutes masterfully done well done sir it's i it's, it's wow shortly after we recorded our last unicorn episode when we were doing we usually do like a, a bit of a wind down chat after the episode um I, I was just skimming through Peter S. Beagle's Wikipedia page when I saw this film listed as part of his <laughs> filmography. And I immediately thought, this is this is bullshit. Like, this isn't real. <laughs> um, especially with, like, golden films, because they don't, they, they often do not credit a lot of their voice actors. Yeah. I, so I thought, this, this is just made up. Somebody's having a laugh. Um, <laughs> I checked, I checked IMDb. It had him listed there. Um, I, I tried Googling it and I, I kept just coming up with like the IMDb and Wikipedia, but I was so convinced like this has to be bullshit. Like why, why would, <laughs> why would this be a thing? I, I pulled up the movie and I skipped to the end credits and I watched them all the way through and I did not see his name listed. There. No, so I, he's not in I, the end credits. Yeah, he is not in the end credits. He is in fact a big enough name that they decided to put him in the opening credits to this film. He is listed right there at the beginning. They want you to know that Mr. Last Unicorn himself wrote the screenplay <laughs> for this. And I don't know, I guess it this speaks to what I don't know about screenplay writing. But mm -hmm. I assume he, that would have included a lot of the dialogue and a lot of sort of that sort of thing, correct? Because I, I feel like, so. I think and so. I don't, I don't know if it was because I saw his name at the beginning that my brain formed an immediate inherent bias, but I felt like <laughs> I could feel his style in sort of the, the dialogue and the writing between, uh, especially like the, the ladies of Avalon at the very beginning. Like they sound like, like they were written by a, <laughs> by a very yeah. competent author, um, so, but I, I genuinely, I don't know if that was just my brain being like looking for it or if I would have thought that independently, uh, if I didn't know and immediately be like, oh, Peter S. <laughs> at the it's very him. beginning. So I don't, I don't know, but I feel like regardless, it like a lot of the dialogue Especially at the beginning, before they really start busting out how fast they gotta go, mm -hmm. uh, it it feels good. Like it's well written. Yeah, I I think I I mean for what it's worth, I think I share your opinion that out of the golden films movies that we have seen, this one feels mm -hmm. the most competent. Um, even like the like the plot summary. Um, so I guess you like folks who are listening to this, you have to picture in your mind the splat plot summary happening over some very low budget animation. Yeah. Um, and some questionable voice acting. Not in that the voice acting <laughs> itself was like 
it's like okay voice acting but some of the voices they use are those like typical like here's a cartoony voice and it doesn't really fit with the no serious vibe of the plot line um yeah and some of like the dramatic moments again the animation is low budget so it is not as as dramatic as it sounds it is not not holding it up as much as it uh as it as I no. wish it did, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> this this movie, it feels I wish that I I wish that this script, I mean number 1, I wish that it was feature length, and number 2, I wish that uh-huh. it had the budget of something like The Last Unicorn because the story is I like the story. I I feel like it's a tight story, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um and it could have been a really enjoyable film along the lines of The Last Unicorn, where it has, like, even, like, the way it ends, where it's kind of that, like, bittersweet ending. And yeah. you just, you feel for these characters. Like, it's, it, it's just, I wish that this wasn't a Golden Films movie, I guess. <laughs> no, I, th- I, I think that's pretty much it. Like... There's there's so much potential, and I mean, of course, because like Arthurian legend is is uh, you know a, a long standing, very much beloved, well known story. Of mm-hmm. course, it's you know got a good source material to work from, but I feel like even just this interpretation of it for this film had a lot of uh, has a lot of potential, has a lot of like. Mm-hmm spirit to it but it is definitely let down in the fact that it is it has to be uh done in under an hour and they i mean it's a golden films budgeted animation um yeah so like people people do be doing their best and going doing what they can but you know it's Mm -hmm. it is what it is yeah it it makes me wonder why Golden Films, like presumably Golden Films contacted him. I don't think he offered his services to Golden Films, but I, I, I could be know. wrong. Um, I would, but no, I guess I guess I have no idea. I I guess I just wonder why they bothered. Just again with <laughs> the general quality of the rest of their films, I wonder why they decided. We gotta step things up a little bit for this one. I yeah. I wish like there was a way to just be like, excuse me, um, Mr. Beagle, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Why? What happened? How did this come how did this come to be, sir? Not like not as a judge not as a judgment, just as yeah. a genuine curiosity, like how this happened. I wish that you, because in in the last unicorn in episode, you mentioned how you got to see a showing of the last unicorn and got to yes meet with Peter Beagle. Um, I yeah. wish that we had maybe been able to do this podcast before you met him, <laughs> so that I could like peer pressure you into asking him specifically about Camelot. <laughs> like everyone else is there to talk about the last unicorn, but you would be there to ask questions about Camelot. This is just, I your your story meant so much to me. This movie has was an integral <laughs> part of my life and my childhood. I do have a question though. 
Uh, Camelot? <laughs> Cam- I wish. Cam- Camelot? This, this How'd movie- that happen? Your movie meant so much to me. It's so much to me. And then you you just lay down the DVD of Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. God. Yeah, that would. <laughs> Man. That's wonderful. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a curiosity. It is definitely a... <laughs> A mystery that we may never find or may never solve, but yeah, you know, it happened. It happened. Oh, I like. I feel like I didn't even take a lot of notes for this because I was just like, like stun locked the entire time by the pace. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. I watched it a few times. Um, just to like get a good grasp on the story because it does move so fast that it feels like you miss stuff if you aren't paying attention. Um, like actually, the it being a thing that Arthur knows about Lancelot and Guinevere's relationship, I I missed that on the first viewing. Um, mm. And it wasn't this until the second time that you kind of catch that. Like no, like it, they they it's very like quick in one little line, but Arthur knows about it and seemingly has given his blessing to this relationship um it's kind of framed as yeah. though so arthur arthur is in love with morgouse and it seems like yeah he's only taken guinevere as a wife in the human world because merlin and and his knights everybody was urging him to take a queen so he it's like he got peer pressured into a marriage he doesn't want, and so he seems content that Guinevere is with Lancelot because he doesn't want that kind of relationship with her. He only loves Morgouse. And and yeah, it yeah. just seems like they, they have this... Whether... I, I don't think they've like consciously discussed it, but it's unconsciously that there's this, just this understanding of what this relationship is, the three of them together. Yeah, it's like... He, he, he did, he married Gwen out of obligation, but, and so he's like, he, I could see him being like, kind of happy that it's like, well, my best friend and my, you know, technical wife, uh, (laughs) are happy together. Um, so yeah, he's like, and he's got uh, running a whole ass kingdom to deal with. So it's like, all right. Yeah. He's kind of chill with it because he's just like I have my my act my other wife that I am technically still married to, but I can't go mm-hmm. back to her until you know whatever I've I've got to do my job. Uh, because he really he just wants to go back to Avalon at the at, at a certain point. He's like I've I've done what you wanted me to. I've I've fulfilled my destiny. I want to go home. Yeah, and Merlin's why? like, uh, not yet. Yeah, but it's. Yes, he 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 doesn't really want to be in the human world even. Like he he doesn't want Guinevere. I I don't even know if he really wants Camelot. He just it seems to be doing this whole king stuff because Merlin and everyone on Avalon told him that he has to. And so it yeah. probably is like a relief for him that at least like 
at least Lancelot's taken over the, like, keep Guinevere happy duties. And so he can find <laughs> focus on, on Camelot. Yeah. And maybe one day he will eventually, Camelot will finally be done. And he'll finally be allowed to go back to Morgaus. And he'll be happy. And Guinevere says, Lancelot, she's happy. Everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. It's... It's interesting, and it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm almost... Because, like you said, there's so many versions, I think, of, of Arthurian legend. It would be interesting to read, like, a, a an older, more original version to see if that's really, like, the interpretation that they... That... Uh, like... Yeah. Words... Go like, gone. Left, <laughs> it's okay. They left me. I my brain just stalled the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> wowza. Um, no, it would be it would be interesting to see if that was was how like the original story portrayed it. Because um, mm-hmm. I like what I guess. What versions of this story are you familiar with? How what what would be your your <laughs> Your touchstones of knowledge for for Arthurian legends, Christy. It's I, for me. It's mostly just a lot of bits and pieces. To be honest, like there's yeah. the Disney version. Um, there's now like this version. Um, there's another Golden Fields property that I got very fixated on for a short moment in my life called King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Where oh shit. <laughs> it was a it was a TV show that Golden Films produced, um, where it was oh it's been a while since I've seen it, but it was King Arthur and his knights get kidnapped in the past, but Merlin summons a football team from the future <laughs> to like replace them because it's like everybody like just happens to be like exact duplicates. <laughs> um, it's great. I love it. It's a good premise. So, Holy shit. So Merlin brings these guys back in time so that they could pretend to be King Arthur and his knights. Um, and they Holy also, it's shit. kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of Power Rangery in that they get mm-hmm. like power up, like transformations into their knight forms and they get to like shoot lasers and shit. Oh, out of, like their yeah. Shields. Um, it's also a little fucked up because <laughs> nobody... Nobody knows that the real King Arthur and his men have been, like, kidnapped and captured. Oh. So the the football guys have to pretend um, to be the them. And not even Arthur's wife knows. So, oh. So hmm. football, I, th- I think his name is, like, Arthur King or something. And I, I forget. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, football okay. Man. Yeah, of course. So he, he pretends to be this woman's husband. While she doesn't know her real husband is kidnapped mm. by a uh, uh, sorceress. Yeah, Uh-oh. it's a little weird. <laughs> it's, it's a little weird, but just like the premise of like... Just don't extrapolate from that too far. Uh-oh. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. But just, I just love the premise so much because you could have just had, you could have just had a normal King Arthur show of King Arthur doing his night shit, but you had to That's add in the, the extra most... twist. Late 80s, early 90s fucking shit I have ever heard in my life. I love it. It's wonderful. I love it. Oh my god. Oh. Wow. 
But yeah, so, I don't. I I all that to say, I don't have the most accurate version of the King Arthur story in my head. <laughs> I mostly am familiar with you know the sword in the stone, um, Arthur, Guinevere, and Lancelot's relationship. Arthur returning to Avalon, and Ar- Arthur is like sleeping. He's like waiting for the day that the world needs him again. Yeah. Um, there's like the lady in the lake. Um, Mordred, I think, is like in so like I. That's the one thing I do know. I think Mordred, in some versions, he's like a bad guy. Um, yeah, he's more explicitly evil. Yeah, in this one, he's just like he's like a nice dude who's just mad that like his he he sees his dad getting cheated on and his dad isn't giving him any context or like an explanation that no it's all cool bro or son. yeah really <laughs> really <laughs> arthur you should have probably sat your son down and been like look this is how it is yeah this our my marriage to guinevere is much more of a she is my good friend but i don't i don't really have romantic feelings for her but we you know it's a political thing and she's very happy with Lancelot and I'm happy with her and I really still love your mother and I'm just sort of, you know, chilling until I can go back and be with her. Like, if he had sort of sat... But I guess the whole thing is that he's like... Mordred is like, I see people... Like, I see the consequences of this being found out Mm -hmm. and... I mean, given the time period, if the queen was cheating on the king with one of his knights, that would have been uh, real, yeah. real bad. Would have well, looked that, yeah. bad for the kingdom, bad for the king, bad for the integrity of the knights, bad for everyone. Exactly. And that's, I, like, Arthur even says it himself, in, like, pretty bluntly, that Guinevere will hang if it is, you know, proven that she has, like, it's it's treason against the king. Um, yeah. It's, and he, like, is... he, if he pardoned her, it would be like, it would be seen as a sign of weakness in that sort of era. Yeah, or like, yeah. It would have been inviting people to sort of take sides with Lancelot, or it would weaken his position. Well, I think, and I think it's, it's all, like... it's all a bunch of medieval politicking. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's like, it would, if Arthur went easy on Guinevere and Lancelot, it would be seen as him, uh, like, like them being above the law, or like him yeah. picking favorites, and, and yeah, and that's like something Mordred doesn't, like, that goes against the ideals of Camelot, because like, it's interesting that Mordred, and maybe this is just due to the fast pace of the film, Mordred doesn't seem to care that his dad is with Guinevere. You know, it, there's never like this, like, like why are you, you know, what, I thought you loved mom, or there's nothing like that. Yeah, he, well, I, he, I assumed, because he's basically like, uh, like Uncle Merlin told me all about how you had this grand destiny. So I imagine it was maybe explained to him. That it's like his mother couldn't go with Arthur, so Arthur had to like make this life mm-hmm. here in the mortal realm kind of thing. Yeah. He he's very he's very at peace with that. It's yeah, it's more he's it's just all about 
them lying about the relationship, them keeping it hidden, what it means for Camelot. And mm-hmm. this is this is where I feel the touch of, of Peter S. Beagle, because this is all this is all some cool shit. This is all Yeah. Like really like interesting stuff to think about. That this is like depth to story and character decisions that you normally do not get in COVID <laughs> films. What? No. No, yeah. <laughs> Like remember well, in, in, the, the golden films don't often hit this caliber of storytelling? Yeah, like remember in Golden Films is Beauty and the Beast where the beast just like <laughs> yelled at Beauty a lot <laughs> and then eventually she decided she loved him? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah. So this is it's it's the nuance was likely preserved from the source material or at least or or added to the source material by having a very very yeah. competent screenwriter. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I like I don't I don't know much about the actual legends as we've mentioned, but I like this version of the story. I feel yeah. it's very very tight and yet it's also still very complex. Yeah. So like my my familiarity with with Arthurian legend is um I I watched Sword in the Storm. Sword in the stone. Stone. The sword in the stone. The knife in the rock. Um and yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh and like I'm sure I've seen other like random versions of it through the years. Um mm. I remember there was uh I had a friend in school back in grade school who who did read I think one of the big big books of like the legends and so they would tell me about things from it but only in bits and pieces um and my only <laughs> my only other big touchstone for this was a uh, uh BBC's Merlin <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> which was a fucking great show. Uh, did not, you know, was completely <laughs> reinterpreted the source material a great mm. deal. Yes. So, you know. I've heard... I also Dragon seen... Booster. Dragon Booster? What? Oh, shit. Dragon Booster was a uh, 3D animated show by the studio that is gone now called Nerdcore. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was like what? extremely loosely based on like Arth- Arth- Arthurian legend, oh, like this... extremely loosely based. But like the main character's name was Arthur Pendragon, and like oh. his his rival was named Mordred, and like <laughs> it was very much like very much like a coding over top of this story. But it was very funny. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if I've ever heard um, of this one yeah. before. Oh, I this... fucking loved the shit out of that show in like high school. I was like, this show fucking rules. Look at this... these cool ass dragons. Yeah, what the hell? I'm, I'm googling it. This like the style is vaguely familiar because it's that cell shaded, like. Yeah, it's the it's the sort of um. Like a lot of nerdcore shows of that era looked very similar. Okay. Uh, 
nerdcore. The the studio is gone now. I believe it was uh, purchased by another studio that was then renamed to another studio that is now, I believe, called Wild Brain. Um, <laughs> so it's long gone. But uh, yeah, at the time I was like, oh shit, this, this show fucking rules. Look at these sick ass dragons. <laughs> There, I got the Mc. I had a friend who worked at McDonald's in high school, um, and McDonald's had Dragon Booster to- toys at a t- at a certain point, and he uh, got me the Dragon Booster toys. Oh, it that's was awesome! Sick as hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, but yeah, the only other, the only real major touchstone <laughs> uh, for me was uh, was BBC's Merlin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I watched the entirety of, um, and had very little to do with the actual Arthurian legend. I I've heard of that one. I haven't watched it myself. I've heard the people who watched it all really enjoyed it, except I think it oh ended it was very it sadly. Was, it ends, yeah. Um, but l- the last season is a little bit of a huff uh, of a hard watch. I I rewatched. I guess I haven't watched it since the last the the last big watch I did of Merlin was just before I moved away from Calgary. So it's been about a decade. So I don't oh, know. Um, maybe it's time. Yeah. Maybe it's time. Maybe I should start throwing that on in the background. It's <laughs> it's goofy and corny and BBC as hell, but I enjoyed it <laughs> a great deal. <laughs> oh, I'll do maybe look it up. Oh, do it. It's a it's a good one to throw on in the background while you're doing other things too, because like a lot of the times you don't need to be paying thorough attention. <laughs> it's not it's not as deep and thoughtful as Golden Films' Camelot. Mm. Oh yes, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> the it doesn't quite reach the depths. No, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. It's very it's very good, but it's also very corny and the the uh, very BBC. Which is both a a good thing and, you know. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Them BBC effects, baby. Yeah, I guess in a show, because Merlin's the main character, so I imagine there's a lot of magic, so that might lead to some fun moments. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I, I recommend giving that one a watch, even if it's a background watch. (laughs) Anyway, Golden Films. Um. Yes. Um, do we want to talk about how Lancelot um, kind of sucks? Or at least, like, he's... I mean, he's an interesting guy, but he also kind of kills a lot of people. Yeah, he definitely murders a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, which is not great. It's a little weird, because the film both does and doesn't address it. Um, it's mostly, it's like Mordred who, I, okay, so like, yeah, Arthur, or sorry, Lancelot is said to have killed 12 of his fellow knights to avoid being arrested and brought before Arthur. Um, but there's also like a dude in the, in the, earlier in the film who he also stumbles upon Lancelot and Guinevere and he starts talking about yeah, he how is he's... about to murder him yeah yeah this dude is about to get murdered by lancelot to keep the secret and it's only 
prevented because one of the ladies from Avalon who a lady named Vivian who is kind of Arthur's surrogate mum appears and uses magic to make the guy forget what he saw um so that's like the only reason why Lancelot didn't kill that dude um but yeah, Lancelot, regardless, he still managed to kill 12 of his fellow knights, guys that he probably, like, fought against or fought like, with. Yeah, like, dudes he knows. Yeah. <laughs> like, dudes he knows, dudes who probably trusted him and are, like, yeah. personally offended by him betraying Arthur this way. Yeah. Um, and the film glosses over how terrible... Like, that is to have killed 12 people. Um, (laughs) Mordred Mordred mentions it a few times, but Arthur himself never acknowledges that this is a crime. And yeah, this this was actually really, really bad, even separate of like what you did, like what you've been doing with my 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 technical wife, like separate of all of that. You did kill 12 (laughs) men. Yeah. It's even if Arthur <laughs> even if Arthur doesn't want to to have them tried for the affair, he still murdered a bunch of people. He still <laughs> killed a bunch of people. He's you know, that's still something you typically wanna uh, hold people accountable for, Arthur. <laughs> I like fuck like no wonder Mordred is getting so pissed off. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> I can Jesus. see where Mordred's coming from. Yeah. It's just... Oh. Like, Jesus. Uh, I, feel, I feel bad for Mordred, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. Like, he just wants his dad to, like... I don't know, like, hold... Hold his friends accountable for the same standards he's tried to, like... Build a kingdom around. And all yeah. he gets for it is being punched in the back of the head so that Lancelot and Guinevere <laughs> could escape. He sure does knock out his son with one big punch to the back of the head. Yeah, and he does, he's not bothered by it. I wish this is, and maybe this, if this is a better animated film, we could have seen, like, Arthur, like, I don't know, like, really reluctantly or, like, with, like, he didn't want to punch Mordred. He just had yeah. to. There could have yeah. been some like anything. It's just something. really just anything. Not just like hit your son in the back of the head with a haymaker and then be like, oh, <laughs> hat- "Sorry, you know, my, my escape, son." Oh man. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely like. It feels like there wasn't a lot of room for for character moments in this movie because of how fucking fast it had to go. Yeah. So it's like I don't I don't blame them for not having them, but boy, it would have been nice, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we could take this script. I think if we could get Peter S. Beagle if we could get in touch with him. Be like, "Hey, take this script, just like pad it out for us and like let's we're 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 making this a, a spiritual sequel." Just the last you, unicorn. Just Miss, Mr. Peter S. Beagle, do you have an extended version of this before they made you shorten it down to 45 minutes? Yeah. Do you have like a first draft that they made you cut down? Can we have that and just use that? Yeah. 
Is there a version of this film that didn't have like 15 minutes dedicated to songs? Because that might help. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. At the songs? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Wait. No, Christy, actually, wait. Did you notice who? I. Oh, I was going to bring this up. I did. Did I'm so glad. Sorry, so I just glad. hit the credits. I just, I, I'm, I've got the credits playing in the background, and I didn't notice the first time who the prop director. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, yes! I'm so glad. I'm so glad we get this on mic. I was gonna send you a screenshot. Holy I was gonna shit. send you a screenshot if you didn't. Who if, the prop if... designer was. <laughs> bah! <laughs> so. <laughs> So, I'm derailing everything. So, <laughs> so dear listeners, um, one of the shit. people, one of the people that worked on this film happens to be uh, Bree's former drawing mentor slash teacher. Oh my god, Steve! <laughs> <laughs> different Steve, different yes. Steve than the one we usually talk about. Yes, Holy different, shit. different than friend Steve. This is this is animation Steve. Who? Yes, he was. Did he? Was he like your first animation teacher? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah no. He back in Calgary. So this is this is a, a long story. I'll condense. There was a school that existed for two years, and I went there for both years that it was open. My class, the first uh, year, was I think uh, ten people. My class the second year was four people. Um, It was a very short-lived school. It didn't work out. The area wasn't right for it. But my teacher there uh, was, yeah, it was a man named Steve Rabatich. I owe him a lot. He was a great teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. And he worked on this movie. (laughs) Holy shit. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I was so, I was thinking about this exact scenario of... Like I was like, I really hope, I really hope Bree skips the end credits because I really want this moment on pod where I I had screenshots oh. prepared where if you didn't spot it, then I was going to present it to you that you his clear as day his name comes up in the credits. Oh my god, holy shit! I that's I incredible. I because I. Um, so I also know Steve. It's a complicated story, but at the office where Bree and I used to work, Steve would, he had an agreement where he would do, uh, drawing and uh, lessons, art, art classes, basically, yeah. for the employees. So that's how I met Steve. Um, so I first saw Camelot back when I was still working at that office. Oh, and shit. And when I, when I saw his fucking name in the credits, you can bet that the next day I went up to him. <gasps> With the DVD, and I and I being the little shit disturber that I am, I was like, hey, does this look familiar? <laughs> and it was so funny. He just kind of like, he kind of like, oh, and he like hung his head. He was a little embarrassed, oh, but he was just no. like, it was like, you know, it was a job. Um, yeah, well, yeah. He's, according to Steve... Um, Steve Rabatich, he's worked on other Golden Films movies, but he couldn't remember whether that was just a lie so that I wouldn't, like, bring up his past. <laughs> uh, he couldn't remember what the other ones he worked on were. Oh, that's he is. amazing. There he is. 
Oh, <laughs> I should drop Steve a line. Not for this. Just, <laughs> yeah, just in general. Send him a screenshot. Remember this? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no, he, he was my first animation teacher. Uh, and he helped me get my start in the animation industry. Uh, he... He's a great guy. So yeah, that's that is why I oh my god. <laughs> Hell yes. Hell yeah, Mr. Rapitich. Fuck yeah. So funny to think that while you were just a wee bab, just a wee little bab oh. with maybe maybe drawing with your crayons, dreaming of being an animator, here was Steve making prop designs for Camelot. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Oh, that's amazing. Holy oh. shit. Oh, what were we even talking about before I before I yelled so hard I peaked my mic multiple times? Oh god. <laughs> oh shit. I think it was I think it was like more about, about Mordred, maybe? Or Lance Mod? Maybe. I don't know. Or the music, maybe? Oh the music, yes, that was it. Thank you. Yes, yeah, the music. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, the music okay. in this one. Ooh, let's get back on track here. Ooh. In in typical Golden Films fashion, the film is broken up with like they they usually they'll do like three. Three is usually like their like that's our, that we got we just gotta get three original songs and then we're good. But those songs take like five minutes of of the actual runtime. Like each one gets five minutes or less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's just a little music video, basically. It doesn't really have much with to do with the plot of the movie. It's just like a little song break for you. Um, so I, as yeah. much as I love the goofiness of the songs, in a film like this, I wish they weren't there because we could have had some extra, like, fun plot or character moments. Yeah, like, they could. that time could have been used a little more better <laughs> a little more better i do yeah. i do really love merlin's song though because it feels like they really wanted to have like a michael bolton-esque thing oh yeah um, just like the way whoever whoever did the singing for merlin his crooning it just feels like they like they were trying so hard be a tree so solemn in the winter Come alive with glory in the spring Be serene in golden days of summer Let your leaves dance free in autumn's breeze I feel like they, they definitely tried pretty hard for the songs in this one. Yeah. They weren't great but no they were they were decent little songs i think they're catchy enough that every so often i'll like mostly the camelot song <laughs> um is one that like every so often i'll just be like thinking to myself camelot and that's it just just that part <laughs> just camelot because they just repeat that, it throughout that, the song <laughs> it'll be that and and uh driving down uh, highway 40 in my big old pickup truck. Driving down Highway 40 in my big old pickup truck. 
<laughs> bit, before, a bit of pre-pod banter. <laughs> yeah, before we started recording this podcast, we got on the subject of adult, old adult swim shows and, uh, <laughs> and space ghost and then, and then uh, Brack. And oh, then it just Brack. Became, became sending Brack songs to each other. <laughs> Adult, adult Swim was a strange place to be in the the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. They sure did uh, just, they, they they did whatever they wanted. Um, yeah, yeah to, the, the songs in, in Camelot are decent. I don't mind yeah. them. There was none that really grated on me. Yeah. They were frustrating because they were taking away time from plot, but like, yeah, overall, I was like, these are not bad. Yeah, I think it's if they were a little bit shorter, I probably wouldn't mind them. There's always like a point in the song where I think it's over, yeah. but then it keeps going, and I think yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. just it, it it just they overstay their welcome a little bit. Um, I do want to point out one moment in Merlin's song because I I would love to know your thoughts on this, Brie, because uh-huh we we see it's kind of like the disney version where merlin turns arthur into things i guess as like part of his lessons that he's learning about avalon um but in one point in the song sequence we see merlin changes arthur into a tree and we see a full oh, year oh yeah yeah <laughs> he stays a whole year as that tree apparently yeah, the- yeah, the seasons pass, a bird builds a nest and like ha- hatches babies. And this is not this is not like a cartoony tree with like a human face. It's just a normal ass tree. Presumably with the consciousness of at this point Arthur was a small child. Yeah. Um, yeah. So d- did Merlin actually is this are we supposed to <laughs> did this actually happen in Arthur's childhood? <laughs> Merlin turned him into a tree for a year? I I wonder if that was sort of, if that was a, a real thing that happened in the legend and it's just sort of like, it's part of the legend so people just gloss over what that would mean. But like, Maybe. when you think about it for any longer, it's like, oh Jesus. Yeah. That's horrifying. I But I mean, I, maybe he, he adjusted, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was just kind of peaceful being a tree for a year. Maybe. I mean, or maybe it wasn't actually a year, and they were just doing that in the song for you know. Yeah, maybe it was just like a dramatic effect for the song. Um, I mean, we definitely see Merlin outside of the song. He changes. He changes Arthur into a mouse, and. Arthur momentarily gets changed back into a human and he begs Merlin to not turn him back into a mouse because he was being chased by a hawk and he's afraid of the hawk catching him. And Merlin basically goes, tough shit. Those, those, <laughs> you he was like a family back. of mice that, that he was foraging food for. And he's yeah. like, D- yeah, tough shit. You have to go back and be a, a mouse and potentially get fucking eaten by that bird. Yeah, uh, because you told those little those little baby mice that you would get them some food. Yeah, d- d- what the uh, hell, Merlin? Yeah, Merlin, I, what the fuck? I, I you have been... to assume that he wouldn't actually let you know a bird eat uh, Merlin, but like Merlin doesn't know that. 
Uh, yeah. Or not Merlin. Arthur. You Arthur. know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think Merlin's just a bit of an asshole in this version, to be honest. I think Merlin's always kind of an asshole. Yeah. He's always a little bit of a... Of a... <laughs> yeah. It... it not in a bad me... way. Just in a in a kind of silly old man way. Yeah. It makes me wonder... Like, there were just points where he just seemed really fed up with Arthur. And it just made me wonder, like, why... <laughs> why Why is he doing this? Like, why are they even helping the humans? Um... I don't know. Destiny. I guess. They just, like... They just take this little... This poor little baby that's been orphaned. And they, they, they decide that we're gonna raise him to solve all of the human world's problems. <laughs> and, then, and then when this little kid gets older and can actually like think for himself and all he says is that he just wants to stay in Avalon he doesn't want to be the one he doesn't want this destiny he just wants to live a normal life everybody's like no I'm sorry it's your destiny sorry that's uh you have been assigned uh yeah. assigned king at birth you <laughs> you you made that destiny for him you assholes yeah, I there's so like I, that is one thing where it's like I wonder if this was part of the original legend or because like I know in the version that uh, was in Merlin, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the BBC's Merlin, uh, like Arthur isn't just like a, a peasant child that gets raised to become the king. He is the son of the king. He's Prince Arthur. Okay, he's like he's already royalty. Um, yeah. So I wonder, but like this, and I think Sword in the Stone both have a version where he's like a a peasant boy that is raised to become the king, mm-hmm. uh, and has this destiny. So I wonder if that's two different versions of the legend, or if yeah, it got, maybe I don't know. It's interesting. And I guess, like, in, in like, the full-length version of the story, maybe this would be explained a bit better. Because it, I, like, yeah. I think this is, you usually see Excalibur used as, like, like, Excalibur is the one that decides the destiny of, you know, Arthur. It, yeah. It, it, it proves that he is the rightful king of England. But it's... It, I like. I think it, it does kind of come across a bit odd in this film because Excalibur is sort of like this. It almost feels like they they added it in because they knew people would expect it as part of the Arthur yeah. story. They just like Merlin just like brings yeah. Arthur down to a cave one day and he's like, "Hurry up, pull it out!" And Arthur's just like, "What?" And no, just fucking pull it out, dude. Stop wasting just, time. Like, <laughs> if you're the king, then you can pull it out. Go do it. Yeah. Which like oh, okay, knowing that knowing that Merlin was already like pressuring Arthur so hard to accept destiny as like being king, it, it kind of feels like a setup. It's like oh, like you want <laughs> you want proof that you're a king? Well, you only the well, king could pull out this this sword from my stone. Hmm? Don't worry, don't worry about it. I know we haven't mentioned it to you before at all, ever before now, but like this is yeah. gonna prove it. Yeah. Like at least in yeah. the Disney version, you saw you saw other dudes trying and failing to remove the sword, and, and yeah. Wart Wart just does it easily. So yeah. it's like he is the king. Oh, okay, like oh this shit. Makes sense. Yeah. 
Oh. Nay, nay. Not in this film. <laughs> I just, I felt bad for Arthur, I think. Um, Which is funny, because I, I realized that, like, if I had seen this as a kid, I think I would have been on board with everybody saying that it's, like, it's his destiny. Because that's just how well, that yeah, stuff... That's, yeah, destiny just... is is a plot force in a lot yeah. of older stories. You are the chosen one. The chosen one must save the day, no questions, and it's like a bad thing for you to shirk destiny. But as an yeah. adult, I want everybody to leave Arthur the fuck alone. He's Yeah, let him live his fucking life. Let him choose let what him he have wants his, to do. Let him have his immortal wife on his cool, on the cool island and let yeah. him just chill out. Yeah. Like and again, like they just they just plucked this random baby from a, a, a village and decided we're gonna raise you and that and that that's gonna imbue you with the wisdom of Avalon and you could take that back to the human world. It's like, okay, well how about you go find more babies then? Like Arthur says, Yeah, no. go find a different baby. Go find <laughs> a different baby and raise it, and then maybe if you maybe one day you'll find a baby that when it's an adult, it goes, actually, I think I'm up for this challenge. And then you send that one out. Yeah. Or you let, you know, you let Arthur have his, his son here on the island. Maybe the son will be down for that. Yeah. You know, like, just fucking... He's an adult. Let him do what he wants. Yeah. They just, they make a big deal about, of Arthur being of both Avalon and the human world, but they made him of Avalon. Just make another. <laughs> it's just, just make another one. Yeah, I think this, it just irritates me so much because I think it's just the thought of like somebody <laughs> rolling up on my doorstep and they're like, oh, you have to go um, become prime minister now. And I would just be like, <laughs> you have been chosen. It you is must... your destiny, Christy. To and I would just be people. like, and I'd just be like, "Fuck that!" I don't I just want, want to. to. I just want to have a have a chill life where I make cool things. I just want to make cool things and goof on princess movies. And then someone'd be like, "No, no, no! It's your destiny to go be it's prime de- minister. It's your destiny." Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh. yeah, I, I would hate that. So I the the thought of somebody doing that to. I like seen it play out in this film. I was just like, "Oh, this is the worst thing ever." This poor this, man. This sucks, actually. This poor man is just like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home and just go like lay in the grass and just be happy. It's like, oh, dude, same. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> I I did like the um, like the whole thing about. Camelot and how Arthur's I, I guess Arthur's quest was not so much about Camelot itself but just by providing the human world with an ideal to strive for I guess I guess yeah like it was like Camelot is like the the endurance of Camelot is not the point it's the point that it's the fact that Camelot existed it's mm-hmm. a thing that we can strive for again and again, and it is destined to 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 not be permanent because nothing is permanent with people. Um, everything changes, but we can always strive again and again to mm-hmm. to create a world that is like that is like Camelot. That's like you know fair for everyone. 
etc etc yeah the strong protect the weak yeah mm-hmm yes i liked i liked that um again i still felt bad that it was like yeah this weird thing that arthur <sighs> was tasked to do um i find i found it kind of interesting too because um like at the end of the film and this is i know this is again this is part of the actual Arthurian legend that arthur is sleeping on avalon and that he's going to return to the human world one day when mm. i i guess like the need the need for him is there um so in the film kind of repeats that where they say that arthur will one day return to the human no, world let the guy rest let him stay with his with his wife on Avalon, let him leave him alone. He did his job. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It feels like we finally we finally get to see Arthur being rewarded for a life spent living for other people, and then we're also like the last line of the film. We're we're told that this isn't even permanent. That one day he's once again going to have to return to the human let the, world. Let the man relax. God. Let him Just have let a, his let life. Him, do his thing. The, the scene where he it's at night and he's like looking in the distance and he can kind of see Avalon from the castle's highest like tower and he's mm -hmm. just like just like questioning like why like what else is there to do like I've accomplished everything like why can't I go home? That's another like I wish I wish that that was in the big budget version of Peter yeah. S. Beagle's Camelot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, like, I could just picture, like, it probably would just, like, be, like, such a, like, a sad, sincere moment of this yeah. man who's this just, man like, who's just, like, yeah, he just wants to go home. Merlin, Vivian, I've done what you wanted. I've put the fires out. May I, may I come home now? Sure, he's he's king and he's got like the kingdom and the knights and the, the queen and the blah 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 blah. But he's like, this is not anything I ever wanted. I just want to go home. I just yeah. want to be with my my immortal wife on our cool magic island. I just yeah. want to go home. I don't want that. This was never the life that I would have chosen. And you're like, yeah. man. Oh. Poor guy. Yeah. Just this sucks. Oh. <laughs> this <And> sucks. There's <laughs> a subtitle for this film. Camelot. This sucks, but not in the way that you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> it it makes me want to actually like read some of the the like ex not because I don't think there's like an original version of the legend that you can just read, but I know it would be cool to read like a more in depth, complete version of it kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like like maybe like a really well annotated version that like tried to like just had notes on the different variations. You know, like here's like the 
the most predominant version, but then here's all like the little like, oh, but also in this version you have blah 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 or something. You know, like yeah. I think that'd be yeah. really interesting to read. If anyone has any cool recommendations, please send them to Yeah. Badprincessmovies yeah, yeah. at gmail.com or to the to the uh Twitter account. Yeah. And Bad Princess I'm movie. looking for recommendations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you know what I, I I keep thinking of, and I don't I don't know if I ever actually saw this. I just know that in the nineties there was a movie called A Kid in King Arthur's Court, um, and <laughs> where it was uh-huh. sort of a similar sort of a similar thing as the uh, uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice, where I think oh, Merlin boy. brings a, a little like a, a kid from the future. I think he plays baseball. Let me look it up. I feel. Oh no! I think you're right. I feel like I remember this now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's he's a baseball. He's like a little league baseball player, and he gets sent back to Arthurian times. Um, <laughs> oh man, because that was definitely like a like a period in history for sure. Oh god, I wonder if it's on Disney Plus because this I the oh, DVD shit. cover the the poster is really selling me because it's this little kid on rollerblades and he's like rollerblading out of like a time portal and he oh he's my in a god castle. holy oh, this shit is, this looks rad as hell oh yeah <laughs> I want to see this <laughs> I wonder how true this is to the Arthurian legend what oh Daniel Craig is in it what the fuck what he must have been young. Kate Winslet. Oh my god. Was Daniel Craig? His name, he plays a character named Master Kane. Yeah, I don't know. Who is Master Kane? I wonder, is that like. No, because there's a guy. Art Malik is Lord Belasco. I wonder who this Master Kane is now. Who are you? Oh. oh, I'm just going oh. through IMDb. This is a good ending to this episode. I'm just quietly <laughs> reviewing the IMDb. Oh my god, he sure is in a baseball outfit in rollerblades, skating oh. out of a time portal. Fuck. Hell, hell the, yeah. The tagline is "Joust, do it." Yes. Fuck off. Amazing. I fuck. You know what? I'm I'm just realizing. I think there's also a Whoopi Goldberg movie where she's also in King Arthur times. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Let me Google. I got it. Oh my god. Yes, there is. Uh, a Knight oh. in Camelot and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> she's also <laughs> she's also transported back in time. Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? Why is there a subgenre of of King Arthur movies where somebody travels through time to be there. <laughs> Wait a second. What? A Knight in Camelot is based on a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court by oh, yeah. Mark Twain. Right. Fuck. I a, mo- about a novel that. written in 1889. Oh my god. That's right. Fuck. It's I been going on for that. ages. It, people have been going back to Camelot through. <laughs> through time <laughs> oh my god and that's probably that's probably like a kid in king arthur's court that's probably these the inspiration too but they're just like oh what god. if it was a baseball player 
And then this one was, but what if it's Whoopi Goldberg? I mean, they're both Disney films. It has they're both Disney, they're just... both produced by by Disney. What the what the fuck? And they were released within like three like two years of each other. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, oh man, that kid in King Arthur's court. Uh, we got to try it again. It just didn't go over as well as we wanted it to. What if? What if we got Oscar winner Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> instead of a child? This will make oh, wow. this will bring us the big bucks. Oh my god! This is this is just wonderful. I'm gonna now trick. Maybe maybe the podcast should like like take a swift detour and we just like look at all of the films <laughs> just all of, of the camelot films from yeah. the 90s yeah it's like specifically oh, anyone man. anyone that involves time travel like let's do that okay yeah done sorry the bad princess <laughs> movies are on pause we need to look at all of these fucking camelot films. oh my god <laughs> oh wow this is beautiful i love this Oh. Well. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Disney in 1979 had a different one, also still based on a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, called Unidentified Flying Oddball. What? Where oh, a. Released in the United Kingdom as the Spaceman in King Arthur, or or a Spaceman in King Arthur's Court, it's the so, same film. But it's 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 just that instead of it, it's just that it, now it's a guy who's even further in the future gets sent back. <laughs> <laughs> the premise is, uh, uh after Anas, Doug, after Tom Trimble's. NASA spacecraft travels faster than the speed of light. It takes him and his android back to King Arthur's Camelot. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they use their 20th century technology to help defeat a plot by the evil Sir, Sir Mordred and Merlin to oust Arthur from his throne. What oh. the fuck? <laughs> Merlin's the bad guy. Oh. Apparently. Oh, my God. This is... Oh. This is... oh. Wow, I'm so intrigued. I need to see if oh, I need to see if Disney's done this three times. Disney, like at least you you, you have other (laughs) movies that you could be making. Wow, I'm gonna gonna Uh, search King Arthur on Disney Plus right now. I need to know. Oh wow, this might decide what I'm doing tonight. (laughs) Oh. They don't, okay, so they don't have the Whoopi Goldberg version, but they do have Unidentified Flying Oddball and a kid in Yeah! Hell yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. Adaptations and references of a Connecticut Yankee. Uh, there was a, a 1921 silent version, a 1931 film, uh, a radio play. <sighs> A television adaptation in 1960. In 1970, there was an animated TV special. Oh, oh. God. 
I'm I'm just glad that we we remembered or we discovered that it was based off of the the book by Mark Twain. Because if we had just started talking about how why are there so many movies about time traveling <laughs> King Arthur, we would we probably would have gotten so many comments like, oh, there's actually a book, a famous book by Mark Twain, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> and and we would have like, deserved oh. it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes. Oh my god. The Transformers had a second season episode, a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court that had a group oh, of Autobots yes. and Decepticons sent back to the Middle Ages! Yes! Yes! Wow! This is so good. I'm so happy. I've discovered something I didn't know was missing from my life, and apparently it was adaptations of <laughs> <laughs> King Arthur's Court. Oh, man. Now I really want to see the Whoopi Goldberg version, though, because why isn't it good enough to put up on Disney Plus? I'm surprised. I wonder if it was, like, maybe it had some other production company that was attached to it that it didn't... I don't know. I don't know. Because it was produced by Walt Disney and Rosemont Productions International. I don't know why it wouldn't be on there. It it is on the movies.disney.com website. It's on DVD. Maybe there's I don't know why it's not on Disney Plus. Strange. Maybe it's like just not a Disney Plus Canada thing. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Please let us know if you're elsewhere in the world, uh if If you can watch A Night in Camelot featuring Whoopi Goldberg. Please let us know of of the Whoopi Goldberg one, the uh, Kid in King Arthur's Court, and the Flying Oddball. Please let us know which is the the best of the worst. (laughs) Which one's your favorite? Yes, which one should I waste my precious time on this earth watching? (laughs) Wow. Well... (laughs) Wow. Okay, well, now that we've gone completely, utterly off the rails. Yes. uh, Yeah. Um, Is that about it for this one? I think (laughs) think that's probably it. I don't know. I think... I think think we've we've veered away so far now that we can can call this one a wrap. Yeah, let's safely close this one out. (laughs) Um, So yeah, thanks for joining us, folks. If uh, you... Wowzers. You want to email us about King Arthur and, <laughs> and <laughs> any many adap- Tell us your favorite adaptation. Yes, tell us tell which us. one is your favorite version of like of either true truly adaptationally or like weird fucking dragon booster style. Like yeah, yeah. completely buck wild using it as dressing kind of thing. Like d- Hell yeah. please let us know. Which is your yes. favorite. And you could you could do that by emailing us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com or you could contact us through Twitter at badprincessmov. Um, and if you want to peruse the catalog of Bad Princess Movies, you can find that up on the internet <laughs> at badprincessmovies.com. <laughs> you know. Find that up on the internet. It's there. As opposed to as opposed to, I guess, just coming over to my house and thumbing through my fucking movie collection. You know. But you can do it on the internet. Yeah. 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 
Well, well, so thanks for li- thanks for joining us for Prince Month. Th- yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I think there, there might I think be there might be a short break. Yeah, between yes. this and the next one because I'm going on vacation. Yes, Bree is is going on a well deserved vacation. So might just be skipping an episode, but we shall yeah. return in due time. Back again. Back back to the normal princess movie roster. Yes. Back to more Thanks for listening! <laughs> Thanks for li- listening! Thanks for listening! Camelot! <laughs> Camelot! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Bye! Camelot! Camelot! Camelot!